0: holy crap this may have been my favorite Giants win in ah six years maybe six years I would say since that Sunday night Cowboys game when we gave them their third loss the Odell slat game like I think that may this may have been my favorite Giants win since then and you may be telling yourselves like what about the Seahawks game in 2020 and I'm sure there's some others but like when the Giants won that Seahawks game in 2020, the Giants were like three and seven. It was hard to get fully excited for that game, right? This one, the Giants go to four and one, and we're in early October. There's a lot of football left to be played. The Giants are right in the thick of it in the NFC East, like you know, tie with the Cowboys. Well, I guess we're down technically to the Cowboys, but you know, one behind the Eagles, they're right there, right? This win as eight point underdogs, eight and a half point underdogs, was my favorite win in such a long time as a Giants fan. And we deserve this. We had been through so much crap the past five, six years, five years. We deserve this. And I don't think anybody saw today coming. And listen, I was annoyed to get up at 930. I like to sleep in on the weekends, but getting up to watch this game was completely worth it. Did it seem not worth it at one point after the Mercedes Lewis touchdown and they were down 17-3? Yeah, it seemed not worth it at that point. But I'm happy I stayed up, stuck around. If you went to sleep after that, I feel sorry for you. But we stuck around. I streamed the game. It was a fun stream. Thanks for those who joined. And we watched that amazing second half for the Giants defense just, you know, buckled down, held an Aaron Rodgers-led Packers offense to zero points in the second half. Daniel Jones had some of his best drives of his Giants career. And the Giants somehow in London, technically on the road beat the green bay packers a game where they were eight and a half point underdogs just madness so we'll talk about it leave in the comments your reactions i always forget to say this but please leave a like it definitely helps out and let's get into it let's start out with the offense but specifically talk about our quarterback number eight daniel jones he's just the main guy to talk about right now and positively which is nice you know not negatively Daniel Jones, this may have been his best game as a Giant. I mean, I, I know some people said that after the Cowboy game. I didn't necessarily agree. I thought Jones played well for himself in that game, but the Giants offense looked pretty bad. Um, but this game specifically because they won, and Jones made so many plays with not the best surroundings, and he even had a great, great drive while Saquon Barkley was nursing his shoulder injury on the sideline. That was the most impressive part. I think the Giants were down 13-20. to 20 probably in the early fourth quarter. I can look real quick. Yeah, it was early fourth quarter. Daniel Jones led an 88-yard touchdown drive for the Giants. Daniel was either like 7 of 8 or 8 of 8 on that drive and just looked flawless. He basically was the entire offense. He picked up some yards with his legs, but mostly with his arm. And this was a game where Daniel Jones was not running the ball as much as he usually does. He came into this game a bit hampered with his ankle injury. And the Giants, according to the broadcast, were not concerned about his ankle. They were not checking on him. But you could tell at some points in the game, Daniel was not 100%. So Jones on the ground was 10 carries for 37 yards, only 3.7 per carry. That's not the most efficient Daniel Jones rushing game. We know that. But he did have some very timely running plays. Uh, There was a couple design quarterback runs on third downs where he picked them up and moved the chains for the Giants. That was definitely big. And Saquon Barkley was only 13 for 70. I think coming into this game, we expected Saquon to have like 25 plus carries. He only got 13, but he was at 5.4 carry, an efficient game. We'll get to Saquon. But Daniel Jones was 21 of 27, 217, no touchdowns, no interceptions. But it's even beyond the stats for him because you look at the guys he was playing with in this game, the Giants, obviously, without their you know highest paid receivers, guys like Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, Wandale Robinson, Kadarius Toney, all of them are out. And Daniel Jones had to go out here today with David Sills, Daniel Bellinger, Richie James, um, Darius Slayton, who actually played very well, uh, Marcus Johnson, Chris Myrick, guys like that, Matt Breda. And Daniel Jones was able to lead that offense to a win over the Green Bay Packers. Was it all Daniel Jones? No. The defense played very well in the second half. They were tremendous. Um, Saquon Barkley had his timely rushes. He had that big run in the second quarter when the Giants were down uh, 17-3 to uh, help ignite the comeback. So, yeah, he got some help, obviously. But this is what fans like myself have talked about with Daniel Jones over the past uh, three years or so. To have a franchise quarterback, you have to elevate the guys around you, right? And certain fans will say, how are you supposed to elevate this team? You don't have any good players on this team, right? But at the end of the day, this is still NFL talent, right? Richie James has been in the NFL before. David Sills, I believe, has gotten some looks in the NFL before. I think the Giants picked him up from some other team. Darius Slayton's an NFL talent. You know what I mean? Like These are still NFL players, and you have to find ways as a quarterback to just make it work sometimes. I know it's not perfect. This is not a, you know, Kansas City Chiefs situation or Tom Brady on the Buccaneers situation. I get all that. But sometimes a quarterback just has to make the guys around him better and just make shit happen, even when it's not there. But And we saw that so many times today from Daniel Jones, which is why... This start in particular for Jones is the most encouraged I've been with him in a very long time. Like I've seen games from Jones where I'm like, oh God, this is not the guy. He looks awful. And then you see games like this where it's like, huh. I, this could work, right? If you remain consistent and play like this, this can work. And this was one of those games. And when you beat the Green Bay freaking Packers, no, this is not beating the Oakland Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders last year. This is not beating the Panthers uh, last year, or even this year. This is not beating the Chicago Bears. This is the freaking Green Bay Packers. That's why this is an impressive win to me. You know, like, I don't have to say that for you guys to know that, obviously. This is a very impressive win. But sometimes when Daniel Jones would put up like a mediocre game versus a bad defense, you know, and Giants Twitter would be like, oh my God, he's." the guy, right? Sometimes that was a bit overblown. But this game in particular is one where Daniel Jones deserves so much credit, not only because, you know, he was injured coming into this game, but the guy had a bloody hand on his throwing hand. Um, the guy was playing with not good receivers and he still made it happen. And that's that's what I'm talking about. Like, you, you just got to make it happen sometimes. I get it. Sometimes your offensive line is so, so bad to the point where you can't really do anything. But the Giants offensive line played well today. Guys were getting open for the most part. The Giants opened up their offense a bit. I looked at next-gen stats. Jones did not have a pass of over 20 Yards, but he had like 10 passes over 10 yards. Okay, so it wasn't completely dink and dunk. There were some shots, not deep shots, but just, you know, intermediate stuff 10 to 20 yards. We saw some of that, so that was good. They kind of opened up the offense in this game. But when we needed Daniel Jones the most, he was there. He answered. And I don't know what the future holds for Daniel Jones. I don't know if he'll be here next year. We can talk about that months into the future. It's a long season, right? I, ha- I hate answering those questions right now, but I know you guys want to ask content people like myself, oh, do you think Daniel Jones will be back next year? And we have to answer that, but I hate talking about it right now. But no matter what happens with Daniel Jones, he's so easy to root for. He is so tough. I'll always appreciate what he did for this team and I get it it wasn't the best situation. The Giants definitely failed him. When he came here, the situation sucked. Dave Gettleman, although he picked him six overall, gave him one of the worst situations in football. John Mayer admitted it. Not to say John Mayer's opinion really matters, but John Merritt admitted that himself. And yeah, the Giants have done so much to screw up Daniel Jones. And now you're starting to see him put together consistent starts of playing well right? The Dallas game, Daniel Jones played at a different level. The the rest of the team was awful in that game. Last week versus Chicago, it was a simple assignment, right? For Daniel Jones, you just have to run bootlegs and Just take the open throws or just run when you're open. It wasn't the toughest assignment for Daniel Jones last week, but he got the job done. He was a game manager last week, and he got the job done. This week, though, he was asked to do a lot more. This was just—there was more on his plate this game than in any game the rest of this season, right? And he just—every time the Giants needed him, he— executed and did something right. So I leave this game very encouraged. I'm excited to see what Daniel Jones does the rest of this season. I am not ready to give him a four or five-year extension. I'm not even ready for a two-year extension. I think with the Giants, it's simple as this. If they, if Joe Shane and Brian Dable don't have a guy next year's draft that they love, then you might as well stick it out with Jones for another year, right? Maybe not franchise him, but maybe give him a one-year deal for 20, 15, whatever, 15, 20 million dollars and give him another year to start here. And really, you know, hopefully you can cut Galladay after this year, maybe move on from Tony, get guys that are healthy and give Daniel Jones a more stable environment with healthy weapons and see what he does next year. But there's a lot of season left, so it's not worth talking about right now. But I will say I left this start for Jones very encouraged. This is the best I felt about him in a while. So it feels awesome. For the rest of the offense, Saquon was 13 carries, 70 yards, 5.4 carry, a rushing touchdown. Matt Breda was 4-for-14 on the ground. And Gary Brightwell had his first NFL touchdown to tie the game at 20. That was a big one for the Giants. Even Daniel Bellinger had a rushing touchdown, which was like the most unexpected thing of this game. So that was pretty cool. Um, It was an interesting play. It was one of those plays where... I forget who started with the ball I honestly forget but it might have been like Jones started with the ball then he had an end around to Barkley Barkley flipped it back to Bellinger and I thought Bellinger was going to pass it but then Bellinger just put his head down and ran it in so I mean that that worked out to perfection I don't know if that was the plan but it worked so to have a tight end rushing touchdown is pretty cool Darius Slayton definitely deserves a lot of credit you know Slayton was ripped on last week and rightfully so for that drop he had and He's had a lot of drops in the past, a lot of inconsistency, not very consistent playing time, but Slayton today because of all the injuries was just kind of forced to step up and he was like the wide receiver one by default and he stepped up and had six catches for 79 yards and I thought he played great. There were no drops in this game as far as I know. Um... And Slayton could have had a bigger day. I just complimented Daniel Jones a lot, but Jones missed Slayton on what could have been a touchdown in the first quarter. He ran like a deep crosser. Jones threw behind him. If if he hit Slayton in stride, it could have been a long touchdown for Slayton. So that was unfortunate. And the Giants offense, despite having their season high 27 points, it wasn't perfect. I mean, Saquon had that dropped screen pass in the first quarter where he easily would have picked up a first down. I just mentioned Jones threw behind Slayton, which could have been a touchdown. Um, It wasn't like the most perfect offense. They did not execute 100% correctly. The Giants could have had a bigger offensive day, which should leave you encouraged. But overall, they outgained the Packers in total yards offensively. They outgained them in passing yards by six, which was pretty unexpected. They outgained them in rushing yards by uh, 31. They outgained them in uh, yards per play. And the Giants won the time of possession battle by, um, it was 32 minutes, 11 seconds for the Giants and the Packers had 27 minutes and 49 seconds with the ball. So the Giants, I think, just offensively were the better team today, which is not something we expect coming into this, obviously. And as for Mike Kafka, I was impressed. There was nothing I was too annoyed about today. I mean, you guys saw me on the stream. I wasn't really questioning what they were doing. Um, I guess maybe at some points early on, it was kind of predictable, but like I think in the second half, especially, the offense was so good. And the Giants have been such a great second-half team this year. And, you know, I'll admit, when they were down 20 to 10 at halftime or even 17 to 3 in the second quarter, I was very concerned. I was like, this might be a long-ass morning. But they got their uh, you-know-what together, and they came out in the second half and played much better. The Giants have been such a good team at making halftime adjustments, which is, you know, it just plays into how important coaching is. And the Giants' coaching has been great. I mean, if the season ended today, Brian Dable is no doubt the coach of the year. Maybe Nick Sariani because they're undefeated, but I would think it's Brian Dable for sure because of how bad the Giants have been for the past five years. And even Don Martindale, as we'll start to touch on the defense now, Don Martindale, you know, that defense held Aaron Rodgers. Now, Rodgers had a really good first half. Rodgers in the first half was getting whatever he wanted, no problems whatsoever. Rodgers for the game, though, was 25 for 39, 222, two touchdowns, no interceptions, had the near interception on the uh, batted up pass, and Tate Crowder almost came down with it on the final possession. But even running wise Aaron Jones 4.8 a carry on 13 carries AJ Dillon 5.7 per carry on only six carries so Dillon did a bit better Randall Cobb had the big game for them 99 yards on seven receptions 14.1 per reception and Cobb had that big catch on the first drive it was a third down Rodgers maneuvered the pocket beautifully and just threw a strike to Randall Cobb and it looked like Julian Love almost intercepted it, but he did not. And Randall Cobb was right there and he caught it and turned up field for, you know, a few extra yards. But Alan Lazard, not the biggest day. Four catches, 35 yards, a touchdown, okay. Romeo Dobbs, only 29 yards. He was the big concern coming into this game. Robert Tanyan, 23 yards. Their backup tight end, uh, DeGuara, 19 yards. Mercedes Lewis caught one pass for two yards, but he scored a touchdown. Um, I think that was Lewis's first catch of the year, they said on the broadcast, but that was a beautifully designed play by the Packers. I can't be that mad at the Giants for that one, that was just like, that fooled me. I'm watching this game from the broadcast view, and it fooled me. So I can only imagine how tough that was on the field. So I get it. And what made this Giants defensive performance so special, especially in the second half, was how depleted they were. I mean, my goodness, you go to the guys that were out in this game. I'll go to the Jordan run-on tweet before the game about who was missing on defense. I mean, you have Aziz Ojolari was out the entire game. Cordell Flott, the corner, was out for the entire game. Leonard Williams was out for the entire game. Um, Adoree Jackson was out the entire second half. And even Fabian Moreau, who was their third-string corner, maybe fourth-string coming into the year, he was down as well. So the Giants at one point had Nick McLeod and Justin Lane as their starting outside corners versus Aaron Rodgers. And those guys were signed the first week of September. I mean, they're they're like, they've barely been here, right? And they're playing starting outside corner for you versus Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. And they still held them to zero points in the second half. I cannot emphasize how impressive that is by the Giants defense and Don Martindale. So not only was it Daniel Jones who picked up his offense when, you Know the Giants had guys out, and even Mike Kafka, I'll give credit to as well. But it was the Giants defense that had a lot of missing pieces as well, and they still went out there and put up a great game. Now, the Giants defense in the first half, they were getting killed on just quick bubble screens, quick passes on the outside by Rodgers. I mean, a lot of times Rodgers got rid of the ball very quickly. We saw on the Alan Lazar touchdown, it was a quick bubble screen, he was untouched for a touchdown. Um, there was one to the backup tight end, um, what's his name, McGuire um, or something like that. Deguara. sorry, Deguara had. One of those catches on the sideline, he went untouched for a bit. Um, A lot of short passes. It was frustrating, but once the Giants got rid of that stuff in the second half and played the Packers differently, it seemed like they had no answer because the Giant or the uh, Packers' offense in the first half was mainly just Aaron Rodgers' screen passes, and it was working to perfection. We saw Martindale have some nice calls in the first half, though. I remember on the Packers' first drive, he sent a blitz, and Rodgers was, you know had to get his throw off in a in a hurry and he threw an inaccurate pass to Aaron Jones off his one hand and that led to a Packers field goal instead of a touchdown. So that was a good call by Wink on that one. And then, of course, there was like the final Packers drive. I guess technically it was their second to last drive, but the one where the Packers got close to scoring. They were down by seven. And on third down, you had Kayvon Thibodeau knock the ball in the air. I mean, it hit like his shoulder pad, so I can't say he knocked it down. I guess Rodgers just threw it off of him. But Kayvon was there, batted the ball in the air, and we saw Tate Crowder dive and almost make the interception to possibly just ice the game right there. But then on the fourth down play, the Packers go for it. They were looking for a back shoulder to Alan Lazard on Nick McLeod, which could have been bad news, obviously, if Rodgers got that pass off. But then came Xavier McKinney. He bats that ball down with his left hand, I think it was, and the Giants got the ball back. It was, you know, three kneel downs by the Giants. The Packers called all their timeouts. They got the ball back with, like, 15 seconds left, and then we know what happened. Of course, it was Aziz Ojalari. Not Aziz. Oh, my God, he didn't play. O'Shane Zimenez got the strip sack fumble. Giants hopped on it and that was the game I mean it was just still I was in disbelief honestly you can probably see me on the stream I was in disbelief I, I could not believe what just happened and you know Rodgers was like very close to getting that throw off and getting a potential Hail Mary in the air and as Giants fans we have seen a a Rodgers Hail Mary go against us before yes you know Eli Apple didn't give a shit on that play but still it was a you know, successful Aaron Rodgers uh, Hail Mary so we've been there before but luckily the pass rush got there in time and on that play Kayvon Thibodeau, who, you know, Giants fans are kind of, I guess, concerned about, some Giants fans are at least. I saw on the stream some people were concerned because Thibodeau doesn't have a sack yet. But Thibodeau in this game, according to Seth Walder, had a 25% win rate on pass rushes. That's encouraging. But even on that final play before Rodgers went for the Hail Mary, you can see Thibodeau beat his guy in like half a second. It was like no problem. He went right by him and Rodgers right then and there had to spin out to his left, his signature thing, and then tried, tried the maneuver in the pocket and almost got his throw up. But luckily, um, you know, Zimenez was there for the sack. And I forgot about this. Dexter Lawrence had a monster play in this game. Dexter Lawrence... The Giants were down by seven points, I think it was. Yeah, it was 13-20. Giants were losing in the third quarter, and the Packers were right on the cusp of field goal range. I think they were on the Giants, like 35-yard line or so. Third down play, and Dexter Lawrence got a sack on that play and knocked the Packers out of field goal range. And Dexter Lawrence has been playing like a madman recently, so to see that happen and make a play at such a big point in that game... It was awesome, and it's one of those plays because it happened in the third quarter. It goes kind of forgotten about, but I just wanted to bring that up. It was a huge play by Dexter Lawrence, who's been playing amazing lately. And Brian Dable's clock management at the end, I was a fan of it. I mean, Brian Dable went for an intentional safety in this game. The Giants had like 20 seconds left. They were up by seven. The Packers had no timeouts left, and the Giants were deep in their own territory. They were like on their own four or five-yard line, so instead of taking a, a knee, They decide to just, you know, have the punter Gillian out there. He takes the snap as the punter, runs to the left corner. The Giants intentionally hold the Packers and waste as much time as they possibly can. And that was the right move. The Giants took a safety. Okay, you make it 27-22, but at that point, it doesn't hurt you. I mean, it's still a five-point game. A field goal does nothing. So that was the right way to play it by Brian Dable. And he also called a timeout with one minute and 11 seconds left because the Packers were driving at that point. And I do believe Brian Dable was trying to give his offense some more time. In case the Packers scored right there, he would have given his offense time to come back and answer with a Graham Cano field goal to win the game. So Brian Dable, I thought, handled the clock very well. And Brian Dable, there was that clip of him. Um, I forget who posted it now, but there was a clip of Dable walking off the field or just kind of jogging off the field, just super pumped. I mean, he was cursing and he was screaming. Brian Dable's that guy. I freaking love him. I just, I'm happy he's our coach. But for the Giants to outscore Green Bay 17-0 in the second half, technically 7-2, but really 17-0 was just amazing. It was just unforeseen and one of those things that was very surprising, but it was just, it was great to see as a Giants fan. This has been such a good team in the second half, and you know, obviously I would like to play a good brand of football for an entire game, not just the second half, but you'd rather play better in the second half than the first half. Now, Um, There was a scary moment in this game. It was the fourth quarter. Uh, Jason Pinnock, I think is how you pronounce his name. He had a near, very, very crucial fumble. It was a play where the Giants were receiving a punt and it hit off of Jason Pinnock's hand. And luckily that ball went out of bounds because if that stayed in bounds and was recovered by the Packers, it would have been Packers ball because obviously a Giants player would have touched a punt and that would be a live ball. So thank God it went out of bounds, but that was like a very risky play um, they told him to get away from it. He didn't. So that was a a bad play by him, but it didn't amount to anything because it went out of bounds. The Giants definitely caught a break there. And that's what I mean. Like this is stuff the Giants, the Giants did not have their luck on their side the past five years when it came to this stuff. Looks like Joe Musgrove might be cheating in this Mets game. Interesting. I just saw the umpire come out and like rub his ear, but he's still in the game. All right. So anyway, good luck to the Mets. I know they're down for nothing right now, but good luck to the Mets. Um, Graham Gano, perfect two for two in this game. As long as 48, Graham Gano continues to be automatic, be very reliable. And I did forget to mention this offensively, but there were two times in this game where Jones was sacked that it didn't count. And one of those plays, Jones fumbled, but the Giants did recover the fumble, so it didn't matter. But it also didn't matter because when Jones was sacked on those two plays, there was defensive holding on the Packers. I think both of them were uh, Rasul Douglas. So the Packers technically got two sacks on the Giants, but there was defensive holding, so they didn't count. Those were big plays in this game. Definitely two big penalties that absolutely screwed the Packers. And look, we'll take anything we can get. So luckily, those did not count. And as I said, this was Daniel Jones' best game in a while. I know he played pretty well the last two weeks, you know, considering the circumstances. But this game was the most encouraged I've been in a while. And, um, you know, Jones had those games his rookie year where he had like five touchdowns, no interceptions, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Those were very exciting games. But those were against shitty teams. You know, they were against the Jets, the Lions, the Lions. Uh, the Washington um, football team, whatever the hell they were called at that time, um, and the Buccaneers when they were bad, right? Like those were bad defenses. But the Packers coming into this were a good defense, especially a good pass defense. The Packers' run defense was a bit leaky; they were not that good. But the Packers' pass defense coming into this game, they were legit. So for Jones to go out here with just not much help at receiver, obviously, and his offensive line being a bit shaky, um, you know, for him to come out here and have that performance was uh, was awesome. And looking to next week, the Baltimore secondary has been very inconsistent throughout this year, even the past couple years because of the injuries and things like that. They lost on Martindale. Um, So yeah, hopefully Jones next week can have a good passing day. Hopefully Wandale Robinson, he seems like he's close to coming back, can make a comeback. Tony, I have no idea. Gallaudet, I have no idea, but at least we, we might get one guy back, which will definitely help. And by the way, I said his name once because I mentioned he was injured in this game at one point, but Fabian Moreau had another big pass breakup. And on that play, Alan Lazard almost made an insane catch off of like it was off of Moreau's back, honestly, and then he was somehow tipped it and kept it in the air, but it was incomplete. But Fabian Moreau for the second week in a row has three pass breakups on like three deep balls. So he's done a great job. He's been a a positive so far. Tony Jefferson had three total tackles in this game. Jalen Smith had uh, six total tackles in this game. He's been a nice contributor so far. It seems like Evan Neal's starting to settle in. I know Neal, someone in the chat pointed this out on the live stream that on the Gary Brightwell touchdown, it was Evan Neal who pushed him in the end zone. So Evan Neal, good job there. But even Kayvon Thibodeau is starting to play much better. These young guys are starting to kind of, you know, get it together. We do want to see Wondell Robinson and what he can do. Of course, he's a, he's an exciting player, but we'll find out when he's healthy, hopefully. Um, but these young guys for the Giants, the first-round picks, are starting to get better, more consistent, and that's definitely uh, to be expected because they are very talented players. They went top seven for a reason. So hopefully in due time, they will be fine. Um, I still have a lot of confidence in those guys that they'll be good NFL players. So, um yeah, that's going to do it. I mean, the Giants are 4-1, five games in. It's it's insane. We're still in third place in the East, which sucks. But you look at the rest of the NFC, it's not very good. I mean, the Giants will be in a situation where they can fight for a wild-card spot. They may have to fight with teams like Dallas or even Philly, depending on how the division goes. They may have to fight with like the Vikings. They may have to fight with the Saints if they win some more games or maybe even like the, um, I don't know, the 49ers, the Rams, it's a team like that. So what I'm saying is though the NFC playoff picture is pretty open. There might be one or two wild card spots up for grabs this year. I I think one of the Cowboys or Eagles will definitely get one of those spots. And like the other two spots will be up for grabs. I would think the Packers or Vikings have one of those spots as well. But that third wild card spot seems pretty open. I mean, you have the Saints remaining, you have one of the NFC West teams remaining, whether it's the Cardinals or the Rams. The Niners seem like they're in a good spot to win their division. We'll see how the rest of the year goes. But, you know, it's not a guarantee the Giants make the playoffs. But I think winning a game like this, just it just shows the rest of the league, hey, we're legit. Like, we're not just beating bad teams. We just beat the Green Bay Packers. Yes, you can look at our wins versus the Titans and the Panthers and the Bears and say, ah, oh, whatever, it's not a big deal. But when you beat the Packers... People are going to take you seriously. So the Giants may have a bit of a target on their back going forward. I get that, but I'm sure these guys will be up for the challenge and teams will start to take them more seriously going forward. So we play the Ravens next week. And as I said, their defense has been not the Ravens of the past. They have been beatable. They are starting to get healthier offensively, you know, Ronnie Stanley's back, J.K. Dobbins is back playing well, so we'll see what happens, but um, I'm sure I'll talk to the entertainer at some point, I think we're on my channel this week, so I'll talk to the entertainer on probably Tuesday or Wednesday, I'll let you guys know, I have my highlights film review video at some point in the middle of the week, and then on Friday, we'll have the game preview for the Ravens, as we always do, so anyway, hope you guys enjoyed, 4-1 feels great. Enjoy tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of the week, honestly. And, uh, you know, hopefully the Giants get healthy in practice this week and, and we'll find out what happens on Sunday versus Baltimore. But as I said, 4-1 is awesome. Never expected it, but it feels good to be a good team once again. It's the best Giants start record-wise since 2009. I mean, you can tell it's been a long time. So, um, listen, we just got to keep surprising people. That's it. Nobody really expects much from this Giants team, but to go out there and keep, you know, winning in a shocking manner is pretty fun. So I enjoy it. So hopefully we keep this going, but hopefully you guys enjoyed this video. Once again, please leave a like and I'll talk to you guys next time.